you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jeff Ellis. Today we have special guest on the show, Justin Lada of Indians Baseball Insider. Uh, before I uh, we dive into the news of the day and talk some stuff, Justin's covered for many different sites over the years. We've had a lot of fun interactions. I think we started probably interacting in double A together. That's where a lot of us uh, got our feet wet, it feels like, at various points in time. Uh, I often agree with Justin, so that just proves to me he's very smart, right? That's, that's how it goes. But, you know, agree or disagree, always awesome person, always very cordial, always very full of information. Uh, before we get too much more into the show, Justin, tell them where they can find your articles, find uh, your Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah, we're at IndianCenter.com and you can follow the site official underscore every guy. You can follow me at JL underscore baseball. If you like a lot of baseball tweets. And I hope if they are watching the show, they do. Otherwise, it's uh, I don't know why they're watching, but thank you uh, for doing it. If Even if you're not a baseball fan, thank you. Uh, so the news of the day is uh, DeMarlo Hale has been announced as bench coach for the Indians. Brad Mills is still going to be with the organization in a lesser role. Uh, Mills and Tito were very close, and that's why he got that job. Uh, Hale actually and Boston replaced Mills as bench coach. And the other fun fact about Hale is back in 2010, he was a finalist for the Toronto Blue Jays managerial job. Uh, along with John Farrell and Sandy Almar Jr. So a lot of ties to coaches in this organization. Interesting from the perspective of, I think some people assume that Sandy Almar would get the bench job and said he's a first base coach still. Um, I think some people thought he'd get some interviews this offseason. He did not. So read into that what you will, but they have a very experienced bench crew, which is 100% necessary when you just look at Tito and his unknown health. So if nothing else, uh, they're getting a very experienced bench crew. Barreling through the news, uh, since we have Justin here, I thought maybe we'll lead off with some prospect talk. Uh, yesterday's show, we had a lot of talk about the players added to the Rule 5, uh, five names there. Uh, I don't know if you know you had a particular player maybe you'd want to talk about from that grouping, or if there was anyone who you were kind of surprised that was left off or you wish had not been left off. I think the one person everyone was surprised or disappointed among the prospect community, I think yourself included, was Jose Fermin. I think that's the only guy you can look at and, and kind of worry about. I know Luis Oviedo uh, might be on that list, but he had a pretty up and down 2019, and he obviously didn't pitch last year. So um, neither of those guys got taken in the 2019 rule draft, so hard to believe that they would be taken in the 2020 rule draft, uh, rule five draft. But I'm kind of surprised they added all five. Like I, I had kind of predicted they would add that these are the five guys that they should add, but I was kind of surprised they actually went ahead and added all five because now they're at full at forty. And I was on the fence about whether they would keep Eli Morgan because you know his carrying traits are a seventy grade changeup and plus command. And Carlos Vargas is the other guy who hasn't pitched above short season ball yet, has some really nasty stuff. But again, he hasn't pitched about a short season. That's very, very rare to keep on a 40-man roster. I know they did that with Danny Salazar after he had Tommy John, but I think at that point he had been in the Carolina League at least. So this is a, a pretty steep 
uh, climb for Vargas to go from short season A in terms and then being on a 40-man roster. Also a nice uh, salary bump for him too, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's hard to find two more diametrically opposed pitchers than maybe Eli Morgan and Carlos Vargas. As you were talking about them, I'm like, Morgan, the epitome of maybe safe. I mean, I, I'm a Morgan guy. I've been very honest in that. I think there's got to be a role for him somewhere in relief, maybe not as a starter. I know they still believe in him as a starter, and they've always stuck to that with everyone I've ever talked to in the organization. But, I mean, that ch- the changeup is, to me, the best changeup in the system. And then Vargas, who, I mean, I've been hearing hopes, wishes, and dreams on for the last two years just based on that stuff. So it is, uh, as you were talking, it just made me think of how opposed they were. I had four out of five. I thought maybe they'd leave a spot open. Uh, I was, I still haven't done the research, uh, like I should, but I was trying to think if the last player they took was that first baseman from Texas, like five years ago, they just don't seem to have any interest in the roll five draft. That was Chris McGinnis here, right? I forgot about that. That's, that seems like many moons ago. I want to say that was 2012, maybe 2011. That could be, I, well, the best part was I pulled that out and got Texas first baseman McGinnis from the top of my head on Friday's show. So the fact you confirmed it there makes me feel pretty good or pretty bad that I uh, store that type of information in my head for a guy who uh, they did not keep either. So it's, you know, it is interesting as the team, you know, everything's going to come up against with Anthony Santander. Uh, it was a very odd situation. And if anything happens and for comes together, I'm sure that will come up. But I, again, I agree with you. I think the fact that he, wasn't taken last year, probably emboldened them to not protect him this year. In general, you know, a lot of people know the big names who are close or the guys they just got in the trades. Uh, who are some prospects that maybe aren't, you know, those top four to five or some recently acquired ones or recent draft picks? Who are some guys that fans should know about that uh, we're not hearing as much of or, or some guys that maybe you're hip to because you do spend so much time talking to people and watching these games? For me, offensively is one of my favorites for sure. I mean, position position player prospects outside of middle infielders, as you know, is kind of sparse. Like uh, they're weak at first base, even though they have some guys down the pipeline, like John Kenzie Noel and Joe Naranjo, who are interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, position players are hard to nail down. Like everyone knows who George Valera is. Out of the hat as far as position players, like, the guys you hear about every day, like Tyler Freeman and uh, Aaron Bracho and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, and now Gabriel Arias, all those guys are on everyone's radars, and that's going to make up the hopeful core going forward offensively, even if some of those guys move off of uh, shortstop or other positions they're at right now. I would say, pitching-wise, one of my favorites has been Cody Morris. With I'm you. a little bit concerned that they're going to go the way of the bullpen with him. He was actually listed as a reliever at fall instructs last month, which uh, kind of caught me off guard. You know, they were super careful about his innings in 2019. I'm sure you watched a lot of him or heard a lot mm-hmm. about him. And in, in, at South Carolina, the year they made the run to the, I think it was the super regional. They made it to the finals. I can't remember how far they made it, but he pitched a ton of innings if I remember right. And um, he didn't pitch at all in 2018. When they drafted him. So 2019 was his first year pitching in the pros and he looked really good. I mean, he had a really, really good fast. Um, doesn't have a lot of movement, but it's got, you know, enough velocity to play and he's gotten good enough command of it. And I like how, how much, uh, promise the changeup has. So I think he's got 
keep him in, in the rotation. But I think the concern is is the pitches holding up and his velocity holding up, uh, turning the lineup over a third time. You know, going six or seven innings. So they were super careful with him in 2019, not doing that too often. So I, I am concerned that he's going to move into the bullpen. But you move into the bullpen, he's he's got a really nice future too. I mean, it's a three pitch pitcher who. All three pitches to me are, are at least fringe average, if not a, a touch better. And he's got decent command. So he's for sure one of my, my pitching sleepers. And, and Eli Morgan is a guy name you mentioned that we just talked about that really does realize how good his changeup is and the kind of role he can profile. And I'm trying to think of any of the other pitchers at the top of my head. But, yeah, position players are, you know, they are what they are. Bo Naylor, those guys. You know, those are the core guys they need to make it. I think they should be on everyone's radar. If I can throw you uh, my helium or potential helium hitting prospect is, uh, speaking of Naylor, is, is Brian LaVestita. I feel like a guy that uh, just based on 2019, like I wasn't sure when they drafted him. I did not have much intel there. I was kind of surprised by uh, his overall cost. But I thought last year he did enough to at least be a name where you have to pay attention to him in 2021. Yeah, and he's come a long way. He didn't start catching until I want to say the end or his he only went to junior college for one year. And I think he switched to catcher, you know, only in junior college. So he hasn't been catching that long. He doesn't look that bad for a catcher who hasn't been doing it a long time. And I mean, he's gonna be a bad first player, but you know, he's a strong physical kid, right? And he looks like he has an idea of what he's doing at the plate, doesn't strike out a lot. So kind of fits their profile. It'll be interesting to see how he moves up along with Naylor and, you know, some people really like Gaynor Diaz. Uh, he had a really tough time at Mahoney Valley in 2019 when he got there. Um, another name too, that was in that trade, Owen Miller. I think there's a lot of people who are, are, are split on Owen Miller from what I can tell is some people really like the contact skills because, you know, there's some Jose Fermin, some Jose Ramirez to his game, but he's a little bit older. He's a college prospect and he's probably a second baseman who's going to moonlight as a shortstop. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing second base this year. And he wasn't added to 40 because he doesn't need to be until next year, uh, which complicates things. Because I don't know if he had a chance to take a look at the 40-man roster stipulations for 2021. But it's absolutely insane. But, yeah, Owen Miller is another guy that probably didn't get added to 40 that, that should be on people's radar that might play in 2021. Yeah, he's he's interesting because it's like, He's one of those players I am high on. I'm in that group, but I can also see some Jake Bowers there to a degree where it's like, I don't know about secondary traits. It is a lot about contact and, and strikeout rates. And it is being that polished advanced college hitter. And, you know, there's, I, I've seen talking to people over the years, there's a conspiracy theories af afoot. And the two of them are one is to take that college player and push them aggressively quickly uh, to increase trade value. And the other is to do the same thing with extremely young players, a la Jake Bowers, when he was uh, kind of, he was always significantly younger than his level. Uh, and that if you can even be above average bat as a very young player, or if you can be an advanced hitter as one of the older ones, then you can raise a trade value. And I mean, I, I like Owen Miller quite a bit, but as this third round guy from a small school, I don't think anyone suspected that he was going to be a top 10 prospect or on the fringes. And I mean, he was, it was interesting to see that he is higher rated often in the San Diego system than he is in Cleveland's. I don't know if that is P 
people retroactively changing grades or um, is it just based on how you look at it is a very low ceiling but uh, you know he's he's fascinating because I can see a world where Tyler Freeman and him are essentially the same player like that is a very easy outcome for both I mean it, it would be a bit disappointing for Freeman but I don't think it is beyond the realm of possibility uh, where you could have two uh, above average hitting second baseman with both of them. Yeah, I don't have as much intel on Miller, obviously, because he's new and I haven't really seen him outside of watching, going back and watching some highlights and a couple other games. But uh, you're right. It would be definitely disappointing if, if he and Freeman end up having the same outcomes just because, you know, Freeman was a prep player and, and I think he's added a lot of strength. I A lot of my faith in Tyler Freeman's ability to max out his potential is driven by, you know, the work ethic and the makeup. And I, I think I've heard similar things I know in Miller, but I mean, we've seen Freeman up close or, or heard about him. So um, I'm still a big believer in Tyler Freeman reaching the, uh, the upper ends of his outcome, I think, but uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me in 2021. If you saw Tyler Freeman at shortstop and Owen Miller at second base, I mean, that, I think that's a very real possibility. That would be aggressive, for Tyler Freeman, but they may, you know, force the move. No, I, I concur with you. And speaking of like work ethic and, uh, and just great traits like that. And the, the players that work very hard and just have all of the right character traits. There was a player who I think to some was a bit of a shock that wasn't added onto the rule five. And I'd be remiss to, to not talk to you about Will Benson, who, you know, by every account I ever heard, one of the greatest people you could hope to interact with. I've always heard just over the moon scouting reports on personality and work ethic and the physical tools are there, but I guess do you, I, I, some people think I'm being a little too critical where I'm like, I don't know if he's even a top 30 prospect for me anymore. Uh, when he was drafted, that hit tool was, I thought a future 30, maybe 40 at best. Do you think the hit tools ever going to get there with him? Or do you think we're just, no matter how good, physical tools are and how good he is and how hard he works as a person, that swing is just in the pitch recognition with it. It's long. It's it's a long swing. He's a big kid. And that's what happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how Aaron judge does it. Like, I don't know what the different mechanics are. Cause they're, they're not and Aaron judge are not dissimilar players. Like Aaron judge is a huge dude. And, um, I know Benson was a prep player and Benson went to, or uh, judge went to Fresno. So I don't know how long his swing was in college and what he learned. Um, and I think judge is a very different player as a pro than he was as a prospect. I don't know if you saw, I didn't see him as a prospect, but I've just seen a lot of people talk about the differences from him as a prospect to him now. And Benson's on like his third or fourth swing change. It might be third. But he's just gone through so many different, you know, setups in the box, um, different loads, just so many different things. And it worked finally in 2019 at Lake County. And it wasn't like he was old for the level, right? Like he was 20 years old. So that's about on pace to what you want in Lake County. And then he just kind of went back to everything that fell apart in Lynchburg when he got promoted. I, I don't I don't think you're wrong. I think it's a future 30 hit tool. I really do. I think like he, he'll probably, he's got good plate discipline. He's not going to swing at bad pitches. I think he does a good job of, of 
holding the strike zone as a hitter. I don't know if it's an issue of picking up spin. Um, I just think he swings and misses a lot in the zone. Like that's his biggest problem is there are pitches that are in the hitting zone for him that he just can't connect with. It's a long swing and outside of just more swing changes, I don't know, you know, what he does to fix that. I, I hope he does. Cause like you said, he's a great kid. He's great to interview, great head on his shoulders, great family. Um, very charismatic, great teammate. And he's fun to watch play. He gets the ball as far as anybody I've ever seen. Like, Nick Weglars and Bobby Bradley are the only guys I think compare. Nick Weglars reference. I appreciate and that. What's that? Nick Weglars reference. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the guys that I was I was sure was going to be a future DH for the Indians, and um, I can definitely take that in the L column for myself. Um, but Benson plays a great outfield. He runs for, like he does all. The, he has so many tools in the toolbox. He just needs to be able to hit the baseball consistently and. You know, it's like uh, I was watching a lot of NBA draft coverage this week, and people were saying that the kid that the Cavs took, well, if he develops a jump shot, he could be an all-star. And I'm like, well, I know there are things that you do well to be a ball player, but it seems like in basketball, the thing you need to do to be really good is shoot the basketball because that's the name of the game. And that's exactly the same thing in baseball. Like, in order to be a good baseball player, you have to be able to hit the baseball. And unfortunately, that is Will Benson's biggest problem. And um Nobody's going to take him. Like I th- I'm sure you agree. There's no chance mm-hmm. if someone took him in the Rule Five draft, he's he's not going to stick on a major league roster for 90 days. Like he'll run a 60 percent strikeout rate. That would be extremely something would have to click extremely well for him to make it in a Rule Five draft this year. No, I agree. And it's he's the one guy. Like if you could pick one player to just fix one trait or like take one skill and raise it to 40 grade, not even average, just like a click below average. It's like you could get that hit tool to just 40 grade where he's going to hit like 220. If you could guarantee me he was going to hit 220 or 210 in the majors, I would say he's a future major leaguer. That's all he needs to get to. I just don't know you can say that yet. Like if he was a 220 hitter with his, with, you know, the walks and the power and the potential defense, you're like, okay, great. Sign me up. He is uh, a future outfielder for the Indians. So that's why I find him fascinating. And again, easy to root for kid more than anything else. I want him to prove me wrong so much uh in terms of uh the, the profile in the future uh it is fun to look through the, or not fun the opposite of fun to think about since 2012 all those outfielders between you know it started with uh nake tyler naquin that year and then you had clint frazier bradley zimmer mike pappy uh you know mentioned will benson quentin holmes being their first pick they they made such a run i'm sure i'm forgetting high pick outfielders they made such a run and they still don't have much to show for it. Uh, what are the odds that the next great outfielder the Indians producing system is actually Nolan Jones? That's probably very, very true. I, I don't think they're going to put in at third base. Like Jose Ramirez to me doesn't have the the, the body type of a second baseman anymore, and realizes that second base has such a high attrition rate of, of players now that. Indians, if the Indians are going to trade Francisco Lindor, like you cannot afford to lose 1% of offensive production from Jose Ramirez. So if you think that you could risk any offensive production slipping from him by moving him to second base, you know, why take that risk? And Jones has the arm for the outfield. Like there's no question about his arm. I think for him, it's just his range and reactions. Like he's a big kid. Um, I think the bat 
you know, is likely to play no matter where they put him, right? Like it maybe, maybe it's a little bit sketchy at first base considering the offensive profile first baseman. Cause you know, he's not a Pete Alonzo. He's not a Freddie Freeman, but um, yeah, you're right. I, I very much think that he, like what Lonnie Chisenhall was the best outfielder they've had in a long time. Right. If you look at Warren production. So you're right. Nolan Jones is probably the next best bet there in right field. Yeah. I mean, their most productive outfielder they produced in the last 20 years was Luke Scott. Like that's, that's, where the list begins and it does not uh, obviously doesn't get better if that's where it begins in terms of value. But, you know, Ben Francisco for a long time was still fifth on that list. It's, it's not pretty, but I mean, the interesting thing with Nolan Jones is many people predicted he would move to outfield. That that was where he was going to go when he was drafted and they've just kept putting him at third. And uh, as much as Atlanta Braves fans want the Indians to be willing to trade Jose Ramirez, I I don't think that is even on the table anywhere. And uh, we could just, put that to bed. So Nolan Jones has to go somewhere. And uh, I'm curious to see if he goes in the outfield. Uh, You know, we're before we run out of time on the show, I did want to ask, you know, the Indians currently Lindor is everything right now. It's what everyone wants to talk about. Where do you hope he goes? What is the, you know, we spend a lot of time as writers, um, sports people, just looking at packages, having people ask us about deals. Uh, What, what is your favorite? What have you looked at and seen? What are the ones, what, what stood out or maybe what's a top two or top three for you right now? The two I focused on the mo- most are the Mets. Obviously they have the biggest needs, right? Like obviously the Mets just lost Robinson Cano. So maybe they're motivated to add a hitter to the middle of that lineup. And you know, the new owner, they want to make a splash and they're going to keep Sandy Alderson. They're not going to go for Mike Chernoff. And I thought maybe if they if they hired Mike Turnoff as the president of baseball ops, that might have taken the Mets off the board because um, you know he's going to know Lindor and he's not going to overpay for him. That you know that Turnoff's going to stay and and Alderson's going to stay in New York. Maybe they want to make a big splash, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of fits there. I mean, you've mentioned a lot of guys, Dominic Smith for one. Um, I'd probably guess Brandon Nimmo's out of their range as far as the trade's concerned, but. Um, they have some other interesting guys. I'd love to have, I'd love to see Jeff McNeil in Cleveland. I think he's a very uh, favorite target of them, but I think he's out of range a little bit too. And the Angels, the other one, the Angels, you know, Andrelton Simmons is a free agent. They need to do anything they can to put better talent around Mike Trout. And there might even be a better fit if the Indians can give them a pitcher, if they can give them, you know, Tristan McKenzie. Or, I hate to say want Carlos Carrasco they might be Carrasco and Lindor in a tree together and I think you could feel like I, I I don't think it's crazy to think that if you package Lindor and McKenzie or, or Carrasco that you could get Joe Adele back like I think there's a very possible fit there I know everyone's got some split opinions on Joe Adele but um, that's a possibility I think and you can get someone like Luis Rengifo to fill an infield spot and you know they also have an owner that loves to meddle like their ownership is is kind of a mess over there. So, if he wants to go out and acquire a star shortstop, you know he might put an impetus on the new GM to go out and do it and, and force them to make a bad trade, and that works out for the Indians. Like, I don't think you can rule out ownership getting involved in a trade like that and, and you know forcing a bad trade on a very new GM because a lot of GMs, a lot of people didn't want that job because of the kind of ownership style they have over there. So. I would for sure watch out for the angels because of that situation too. 
maybe a controversial statement for me, but I think the Indians, if they trade with the Angels, um, Adele wouldn't be their heart's desire. Just looking at the way they pick and develop guys, I, I feel like they would be asking about Fletcher first and foremost. Like I feel like they would take a lesser package around Fletcher than Adele just based on how the Indians scout, develop, and tools they like. That's just the, I could be totally wrong in this, but we'll see. I I, I, I agree with you on both those targets, but I wonder if uh, if Fletcher would be the the big ass by the Indians. No, I, I think you're right. I, I guess I kind of left him off. And, and Joe Adele's kind of a pipe dream too. I think, again, you'd have to package a pitcher to get him. But um, I, I think I kind of assumed David Fletcher would be even a bigger pipe dream just because he's young and he's controllable and had a great year and, and he does have all those traits Indians like you're absolutely right. So he would be a fit. I just wonder how much off limits he might be, you know, in addition to Joe Adele, I think more realistically, we think we both think it's Brandon Marsh, right? Marsh, Brandon yeah. Marsh is probably the guy that, that makes the most sense. I keep pitching Ren Gifo because Ren has got some, some David Fletcher skills. He's like, you know, David Fletcher light. I guess he's the one who was going to go. He was part of the package for Jock Peterson before that whole mess fell apart. Right. Wasn't he the central piece for Jock Peterson and the angels Peterson deal? I believe. Yeah. He was before. supposed, he was supposed to net them both Jock Peterson and Ross tripling. Like it was yeah. Rengifo. And I think there might've been somebody else going in addition to Rengifo, but um, basically he was the headliner for, Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling, which I can't remember why they called that off. I think it had something to do with ownership. Dude, was, and there was another, I think it was like Andy Page was the another prospect yeah. who was also going from the Dodgers. So they were giving up a prospect as well to get Ren Gifo. And then it got held up because the big deal got held up. And then Moreno's like, no, do it now or don't do it at all. So yeah, it was the, the meddling where uh, Artie Moreno got mad that that deal got held up until the Mookie Betts deal was done because of the the medical issue with the uh, Grotrial. The only reason I, I brought up Fletcher is, you know, if they get Lindor and they sign him and they've got Ren, uh, Anthony Rendon at third, um, I know second base has been up and down for them and Fletcher could naturally slot in there, but I think it does slightly leave the door open for it. I'm not saying it's possible, but uh, I do think he is an interesting one. And as everyone knows, uh, I've already talked Mets to death on the podcast. Uh, I'll do one more question here. I know we're running long, but uh, people tend to like it when I do that is when I'm getting in my Twitter comments. So with the Indians current setup right now, there's this gaping hole at second base, uh, a gaping hole to some degree in center field as well. Uh, I have a sinking suspicion. We all know who's going to be in center field, but uh, as of now, Let's ask about the three big positions. Who do you think is going to be playing or where do you think they're going to get center field, second base and shortstop before the season begins? Hmm. I guess as of right now in center field, I'd have to pick between Mercado and DeShields. That's my I, feeling as well. Yeah, I really I really think they need to they need the non-tender Naquin, they need the non-tender DeShields. They need to move on. They've already got you know, six other outfielders. They got, I mean, Jake Bowers, I know we're getting off. I don't want to get off top topic here, but Jake Bowers is out of options in 2021. He's got to be on the big league roster and you've got to find a home for him and Josh Naylor. They both played the same position. So there's two spots in your roster taken up right there between first base and outfield. I don't know how you can roll with Nate Quinn into shields and Mercado and Bradley Zimmer and Nolan Jones and Daniel Johnson and Jordan Luplo. It's a mess. 
Um, but yeah, I would say as of now, it's Mercado into Shield. Second base, I imagine they'll get an infielder back in the in the Lindor date. If they trade, if they go ahead and trade Lindor, they'll get an infielder back, and, and he'll bounce between one of those two spots. And maybe you see Yu Chang take the other spot. I think Yu Chang either plays second or short, depending on who comes back in that spot. I hope you're right. I'd like to see him get a chance. I keep like leaving him off of lists for uh, shortstop, even though he can totally handle it defensively. I think you and I probably agree there. Like he's not going to win any awards, but he's at least an average shortstop with with an arm. And he's that guy where, you know, I talked about uh, being a, I think he could be like a 220 hitter who walks and has like 20 home runs. Like if he is 80% of Johnny Peralta, like I think that that could occur. Like, I think he could be like 80% of Johnny Peralta, but with better defense. Uh, it, it's, I hope you're right. At least in that regard that he does finally get an opportunity. Uh, I guess, is there any other player here at the end before I let you go that uh, you want to shine a light on or talk about? Let me look over my list. I have my list pulled up here. Um, I don't know. We, we had this discussion on Twitter the other day. I keep going back to Carlos Vargas. They probably won't do it. But I'm, I'm going to keep arguing until I'm blue in the face to see if they do it because, you know, there's a reason they protected him, right? Because they felt like somebody might try to go ahead and, and nab him and put him in the bullpen to see if it works. Um, but I, I don't think there's a reason they should rule that out. Like they might try to keep starting him because they have the depth and they don't need to worry about it. But I just picture a back three of the bullpen of, of James Karinchek and Emmanuel Classe and, and Carlos Vargas, nice bullpens in baseball. I would love – Love to see them fast track Vargas to the bullpen because his delivery is just so so. There's so much effort to it. I don't I don't see him ever being a starter long term, and I think there's a possibility the fastball and slider are good enough sometime this year to get big league hitters out. If even even with you know below average command, like his command right now is maybe a stretch at 40, but if he can just control and you know not walk enough guys not even not even hit the glove just throw it in the zone and let the fastball and slider do what they do naturally i think he has enough there to do it but we'll see that's not you know something they've done i know they did it with karen check a little bit but uh know they did it with kyle crockett and cody allen so i guess there's some precedent but you know i would imagine the reason they protected him right was because they thought if you're in low a or short season a nobody's nobody's taking that guy to start him in, in the rule five draft, you're taking him to, to be a reliever. So they at least think that there's a chance he can do it. Right. And the reports are so strong across the board. Like, yes, I am not his biggest fan. I will admit that, but we, everyone had him that the Indians are going to protect him. We all knew that the sure bets were Vargas Jones and, and Arias. Um, I thought Morgan was a very strong bet after them. And then the fifth spot was, we'll see. I mean, I, I think we all knew Clement could be in play there. But I think that is what's interesting with Vargas is, I mean, he is a known entity, uh, but man, that lack of a year just leaves us all going. It's hard. We don't know where he's at. We don't know what he's, you know, the ability. We don't know what chances they've had to, I can't remember if he was one of the guys at alternate side or not. So if he wasn't, then they didn't get to see, I think he's now in the Arizona grouping so they can see him a bit now. I think, believe but i could be wrong there um top of my head type of talk so it's you know it's a very odd year to be talking 
prospects. I don't. We, you'll never have another season where we have m- less information than we have right now. Yeah, it's rough for for what I like to do and what you like to do and uh, the prospect community. Yeah, it was a it was a brutal year. I hope we don't ever have to go through it again. I really don't. No, I'm trying to put together my draft lists. I'm like, oh, you know, I can't find my deep sleepers because I just don't have enough information to be like, oh, you know, how how did I find Nick Gonzalez three years ago when there was nothing on the internet about him? I'm like. Well, I have data. Let's go through the data and see who's yelling at me. And that was Nick Gonzalez. I can't do that right now. So it's it's a brutal time for all of us. I want to thank Justin for coming on the show. Uh, again, a, a long one for Tuesday. Uh, no podcast Wednesday or Thursday. We'll be back Friday to talk about any developing news and information. Should be uh, a fun one to, to listen to on a day off. Uh, but again, thank you to Justin. The long one today has to carry you through the next few days. But we had a great guest, a great talk. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, just one more time here at the end, uh, Justin, tell them where to find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, jail underscore baseball, and you can find uh, Indians Baseball Insider at IndiansBaseballInsider.com and on Twitter at official underscore IBI. Thank you for listening. You can find me at, at Jeff MLB Draft or listen to this podcast on, uh, not this week, but most weeks, every single day. And as always, go Tribe.